1: The idea that these policies are not in tension with one another, the idea that what happens in Russia and Ukraine is separate from what happens in Israel is not just obvious, it is common sense, and it has been borne out by the reality of the last couple of weeks. Now, my colleagues would like to collapse these packages. Too many of my colleagues would like to collapse these packages because they would like to use Israel as a political fig leaf for the president's Ukraine policy. But the president's Ukraine policy, just like the Israeli policy, should be debated. We should talk about it. We should discuss it. We should separate the costs and benefits and analyze them as distinct policies, because that is what the American people deserve of their legislature. Now there are many questions we could ask about the Ukraine policy, many issues that have gone completely unanswered. Number one, what is our end goal in Ukraine? You hear commonly that the goal is to throw the Russians out of every ounce of Ukrainian territory, and yet, when you talk to the president's own administration in private, they admit that that is a strategic impossibility. Let me repeat that. No rational human being in the president's administration believes that it is possible to throw the Russians out of every inch of Ukrainian territory. So, why is that the public justification offered by many advocates of indefinite, unlimited Ukrainian aid? Because this debate is fundamentally dishonest. We are not telling the American people the truth because we know that if we did tell them the truth, they would not support an indefinite flow of money to Ukraine. What are we doing, ladies and gentlemen? How long is this supposed to go on? How much money are we expected to spend? What is the strategic objective? What are we trying to do? Are we monitoring the fact that we have spent nearly $200 billion if the supplemental passage passes? $200 billion to one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Do we have proper assurances that all that money is being spent on the things that we say, say, tell ourselves that it's being spent on? The answer, of course, is no, because we have not had a real debate in this chamber. The American people, I think, should be ashamed of us for that fact. Let me offer just one, one final uh, observation here. You have heard in this chamber, you have heard even today, that the Ukraine policy was born of a spirit of bipartisan agreement. That we had this moment where Democrats and Republicans recognized that it was very, very important to help the, Rus- or help the Ukrainians push back against the Russian attack. And of course, we support and praise our Ukrainian friends. They've done a lot more than many people gave them credit for. But let's also be honest. That for 30 years, Washington, D.C. has run on bipartisan foreign policy wisdom and it has run this country to the ground with $1.7 trillion deficits, war after war after war that has killed thousands of Americans, millions of other people, and has not led to the strategic strength of this country. It was great bipartisan agreement after September the 11th that threw Saddam out of Iraq. And of course, a lot of people celebrated it until we right now realize that Iraq is a client state of Iran. We empowered one of the worst regimes in the world with our bipartisan wisdom. Maybe what we should have is some bipartisan wisdom that the foreign policy of consensus of this country for the last three decades has been a disaster. It's been a disaster for this country. It's been a disaster for our dead Marines, Army soldiers, Navy sailors, and Air Force airmen. It has been a disaster for this country's finances, and it has been a disaster for the entire world. Let's have a real debate. We haven't had one in 30 years.
2: Do you know what goes on at Skull & Bones? Well, I have a family audience, so I can't say. They have sexual rituals where they believe they are possessed by entities, basically space aliens. These are people that had gay sex... Hundreds of times in coffins, begging for spiritual entities to possess them. Hollywood should want to hire him to play the next Silence of the Lambs because there's no actor that can look this whacked out crazy. John Kerry, ladies and gentlemen, is a member of a satanic death cult. They believe entities possess them in pits of feces. I mean, we have a, a, a secretary of state who has asked entities to enter his body while having sex in large vats of feces with men peeing on
3: him. While other networks
4: lie to you about what's happening now, InfoWars tells you the truth about what's happening next.
3: Welcome to Sunday Night Live. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. We're going to be covering the news over the next hour and taking calls in the final hour. It's an honor and a pleasure to be with you, as always, the greatest audience in the world. Make sure you check out defendjones.com and be the reason that we're still on the air. So much going on as the war winds down in Ukraine and winds up between Israel and Palestine. Stop sending young Ukrainians to die, Musk tells Zelensky. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky must avoid needlessly sending young Ukrainians to be slaughtered on the battlefield with Russia. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has said. His comments come amid Kiev's faltering counteroffensive, which Moscow claims has already left tens of thousands of Ukrainian soldiers dead. Let's go ahead and run clip 11 and see what he had to say about that.
4: So Volodymyr Zelensky said that he's not, or has said in the past, he's not interested in talking to Putin directly. Do you think he should yeah. sit down,
5: man-to-man, leader to leader, and negotiate peace?
1: Look, I think
5: I would just recommend do not send the flower of Ukrainian youth to be to die, uh, in trenches, uh, whether he talks to Putin or not, just don't do that. Um, whoever goes on the offensive will lose massive numbers of people. Um,
6: and so history will not look kindly upon us.
3: We see here that Musk realizes that thousands of people will die. This is something that we've been saying on Infowars ever since the outbreak of this war with Ukraine, that there was no way for Ukraine to win. And I don't understand, frankly, why we spent tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars in Ukraine, given that we could have gotten the same outcome for free. The total loss of Ukraine. We see that U.S. House Speaker Johnson proposes funding government without aid to Ukraine and Israel. So this is a step in the right direction. As he says, the Speaker of the House, that is, has introduced a bill to temporarily fund the federal government. His proposal does not include aid to Ukraine or Israel, but does fund for the defense of the U.S. southern border. So it seems that we see this conflict in Ukraine winding down. We see that as it has been winding down, conveniently, we have another conflict in the Middle East for the U.S. to pump billions upon billions of dollars. And I think the last reports show that we've given as much as $15 billion to Israel, not counting all of the other billions upon billions of dollars that we've given over the years in in aid to Israel. But the funny thing about this speaker is I don't really know what to think about him. On the one hand, I'm pleased to see that someone has come in to... Replace this McCarthy era, this McCarthy 2.0, this McCarthyism 2.0, where we had a speaker who was basically flying the flag of the Ukrainian government on his apparel, which I find completely inappropriate and offensive in the House of Representatives. And now we've got him ousted, which is a great sign because it shows our establishment political elite, our establishment. Republicans that they can't just get away with anything that there is sort of a MAGA Republican movement in the party that will hold them accountable. But then you see this betrayal from this House Speaker. I want to show clip eight and then clip nine. Uh, I'll set set up clip eight first and then I'll, I'll speak a little bit on that before we go into clip nine about what Mike Johnson was saying earlier about the Biden crime family. And then we'll get into what he said most recently. Go ahead and run clip eight.
7: Uh, Joining me now is
8: Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson. He's the House Republican Conference vice chairman. He's a member of the House Judiciary Armed Services Committees and a member of the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Government. Congressman, good to see you this morning. Uh, How would you assess your colleagues yesterday? Are they not acknowledging uh, what these bank records show about the Biden family?
6: They're doing their best to hide the headline here. Look, the American people, Maria, are having a hard time keeping up with all the scandals involving the Bidens, but here's what they don't want you to recognize. The evidence now shows, it proves, that the first family is hopelessly corrupt. They've been involved in extortion and bribery schemes and tax fraud and incredible abuses of power. And now, the second headline that we're proving through all these oversight hearings, through judiciary oversight and the other committees, uh, even Ways and Means now, is that there is a a two-tiered system of justice. That's what the people intuitively recognize, and now the evidence shows. The DOJ, the FBI, and the IRS and other federal agencies are involved in a cover-up to help the First Family.
9: Well, I mean, Congressman, this is all stunning. I mean, th- what you're saying yeah. is extraordinary. What are you going to do about it?
6: It sounds like a, a terrible movie yes, or a novel or something. It's happening right now in real time. And we are doing our dead level best to expose these facts to the American people and bring accountability because the people are frustrated. They see this happening. They don't understand why the Biden family gets a special treatment or, or the rich and powerful, but especially this family. I mean, we have now $17 million in counting of these amounts of money that have been uncovered that were put into these um, sort of ghost companies that the Biden family- family put together, many of which, when Joe Biden was vice president, to hide the sources of all this funding. And it involves China and Ukraine, I mean, adversaries around the world. Um, It's a very, very serious and alarming problem. And now it's being litigated. You know, we had this big uh, 155-page federal court opinion came out of Louisiana on July 4th, and they said the social media companies are involved. The DOJ and the FBI uh, coerced the social media companies into hiding this information about the. Hunter Biden laptop before the 2020 election about um you know covid vaccines and other disfavored information they censored the speech of Americans who were sharing protected uh, speech online yeah. and it's just an incredible incredible set of facts.
3: You been- Don't you just love it when you see politicians members of the political class saying all of the right things and as soon as they get a promotion or as soon as they get elected to a higher office they walk that back. I loved everything that The congressman said in that clip, but apparently he is walking back these claims against the Biden crime family. Let's go ahead and run clip nine and see what he said reportedly last Friday.
6: Joseph Biden has engaged in bribery schemes, pay to play schemes. This is what the evidence shows.
9: And now for the best part. Here is the quote from the Speaker of the House: "There is insufficient evidence at the moment to initiate formal impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden." So, after hearing what he just said, now you have it from the Washington Post as well. You have the tweet from Mike Cernovich: "He says congratulations, everyone." That's his quote. So, why why the change of uh, why, why why the why the change of pace here? And I think it's fairly obvious: Democrats actually want him impeached and convicted, and the Republicans, like Mike Johnson, previously was saying. Yes, look what he's done. We have evidence. We have these checks. All of a sudden he's saying there's insufficient evidence to to, to move forward. Yeah, they want Biden to stay. Yeah, it's kind of hilarious that the Washington Post headline is sort of scolding Mike Johnson for for, for not moving forward with the impeachment we all theoretically wanted for a while. But it just goes to show you the DNC absolutely hates Biden. And maybe it's just a 40 chess move. I mean, they know that Biden is the weakest candidate here. And if they can keep him in and allow him to essentially ruin the country for as long as he has and the rest of his election um you know i think uh i think they know what they're doing here i kind of feel the same way it does seem like they're they've got all this stuff out in the open it's pretty obvious that he should be impeachable but he is not
3: so we see that sort of theory around why the speaker might have reversed his position on whether or not biden is impeachable but it seems to me very reasonable and practical that the grand old party should go through with impeachment proceedings. At least through the election to apply pressure, whether or not they vote on whether or not Biden should be impeached is another matter, but they should bring the same amount of force against the Biden administration that was brought against the Trump administration time and time again during President Trump's time in office. But I'm concerned, frankly, that we're having a backpedaling. I would like to believe that this conspiracy theory is true, that Speaker Johnson is reversing his position in an effort to ensure that Joe Biden remains the candidate. But when push comes to shove, we know that Joe Biden is not going to be the candidate. I would be incredibly surprised if Joe Biden made it to the fall as the candidate. If the Democrats want him out, they're going to find a way to get him out. Frankly, I think that the way that they're going to get him out is we're going to see an attack from terrorists who have illegally crossed our border within the next six months. They're going to use that to criticize his border policy, which has led to our national security vulnerabilities. And then they're going to get him out, usher in some other candidate like Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom. And they're simultaneously going to use it as an excuse to get us more explicitly involved in a conflict in the Middle East so that we can have our World War III, so that we can go to war on behalf of Israel and against terrorism. When we know that the real Issue: The real reason behind this conflict is the desire to annex Gaza to ensure that this IMEC pipeline, this IMEC corridor can be installed. And we'll go more into that throughout the show this morning. But there is this new breaking story. The Ukrainian military coordinated Nord Stream pipeline sabotage, WAPO claims. I want to go into clips 27, 28 and 29, and we'll break them up. I'll talk a little bit in between each one. But in clip 27, we have Joe Biden mentioning that if. Russia were to invade Ukraine, then the Nord Stream 2 pipeline would be no more. Go ahead and run clip 27.
8: If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it.
10: But do, but how, will you, how will you do that? Exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control.
7: We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Possibly this is a good idea to say to our American friends, we will be united, we will act together, and we will take all the necessary steps, and all the necessary steps will be done by all of us together.
10: Today, will you commit today to turning off and pulling the plug on Nord Stream 2? You didn't mention it. You haven't mentioned it.
7: As I already said, we are acting together. We are absolutely united and we will not taking different steps. We will do the same steps and they will be very, very hard to Russia. And they should understand.
3: So there we have President Biden threatening to disable the Nord Stream 2 pipeline if Russia invades Ukraine. And of course, we know that the pipeline was sabotaged. And when it was sabotaged, we blamed Russia for it, despite the fact that we said as a nation that we would be responsible or behind ensuring that that pipeline was dis- disabled. Let's go ahead and run clip 28.
8: It was a, a deliberate act of sabotage. And now the Russians are pumping out disinformation and lies. We're working with our allies to get to the bottom exactly what it precisely what happened. And at my direction, I've already begun to help our
3: allies enhance the protection of this critical infrastructure. So we said that we were going to do it. Then it happened. Russia said we did it. And we said it was Russian disinformation, just like we said that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. This new breaking story that Ukrainian military coordinated the Nord Stream pipeline sabotage comes from The Washington Post. A Ukrainian military officer spearheaded the attack on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline last year that cut off energy to Germany, according to The Washington Post. The officer had deep ties to Ukraine's intelligence services and his purported role in the Nord Stream 2 bombing provides the most direct evidence to date tying Ukraine's military and security leadership to a controversial act of sabotage. Of course, we know that this disabling of the pipeline is not something that only negatively impacted Russia, but all those who needed the pipeline to power Europe, to power their countries. Right. And this other headline from the Washington Post says the U.S. knew about the Ukrainian plot to bomb the Nord Stream pipeline pipeline months before the attack. So not only is Ukraine responsible for the attack, but the U.S. knew about it ahead of time and then intentionally lied about it after it happened, complaining, uh, complaining that it was Russian disinformation. Let's go ahead and run clip 29.
0: The man in this picture is Colonel Roman Shevinsky. It shows him in a glass room in Kyiv where he is being held on charges of abusing his power during a plot to lure a Russian pilot to defect to Ukraine. Now, he is the subject of another investigation. According to an exclusive from the Washington Post and Spiegel, he was central to the controversial bombing of the Nord Stream natural gas pipelines last year. Sources have painted a picture of him managing logistics for a six-person team that rented a sailboat under false identities and dove deep into the Baltic Sea to plant explosive charges on the gas pipelines. They say he didn't act alone and that his orders ultimately came from senior military officials. The act of sabotage was condemned by the West after it left only one of four gaslings in the network intact ahead of a looming European winter. Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines run from Russia to Germany and provide energy to millions of people in Europe. Critically, the Nord Stream bypasses Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Lizensky has previously denied Ukrainian involvement in the explosion.
11: The Ukrainians
2: definitely didn't do it. And that is the most important thing. Someone said there was some signs or even a certain Ukrainian flag. It's funny, to be honest. What we're interested in is arms deliveries
7: and our victory.
0: However, according to the Post sources, the Nord Stream operation was designed to keep Zelensky out of the loop, underscoring the fraught ties between Ukraine's intelligence, military and politicians.
12: So
3: the U.S. has basically shown the extent of its ability to just brazenly lie again, especially when it comes to issues of national security, issues of defense. And this is a motif that we've seen certainly back to 9-11, but further back even than that, all the way back to World War II, that we have this fourth branch of government, the intelligence community, which is totally unchecked and well-funded. And if we look at all of the conspiracies or the scandals associated with the intelligence community ever since 1950, there's been virtually no accountability whatsoever any time any sort of scandal has been revealed. So we have a false flag operation that gets us involved in Vietnam. Nobody's held accountable. 60,000 plus Americans die. Many of them drafted against their will. We have an issue with MKUltra where it is discovered that the intelligence community has been performing illegal psychological experiments on human beings, American human beings, and they destroy all the documents, claim to shut it down. Where We know that they really just shifted it to other departments or recreated it as another department. Nobody's held accountable. Nobody's fired, despite the fact that several major terrorist events that occurred were as a result of MKUltra. The most notable one, of course, being Ted Kaczynski and what he did in retaliation for these psychological traumatic injuries that he experienced, psychologically tortured by MKUltra. I don't know if you've ever looked into the details. I'm sure many members of the audience have. But while he was a college student, he engaged in these studies, which were MKUltra backed, where he was basically berated, belittled, insulted time and time again, so that they could research how he would respond to basically just emotional abuse for an extensive period of time. This, of course, finally led him to crack, finally led others to crack. No one was held accountable. We know that there was information within our intelligence community that 9-11 was going to happen before it happened, and that it was allowed to happen. We know that the 9-11 report is not 100% accurate, that there are lies, discrepancies, incontinuities in it, and no one was held accountable for that. We know that the CIA played a part in the assassination of JFK. No one was held accountable for that. We see lies time and time again about that. It was likely done because JFK was so opposed to Israel's nuclear proliferation. There were letters, countless letters from JFK to both prime ministers before his assassination, urging for the United States to be able to inspect the nuclear facilities in Israel. But we know that the CIA wanted Israel to be a nuclear power because we needed a nuclear power in the region as part of the cold war initiative, building up our strength in arms around Russia's proliferation of nuclear power. And so if the CIA and if Israel both want a nuclear power for Israel, then it makes sense then that they would assassinate JFK. And the reason I really came to believe this is the explanation for the assassination of JFK is because I saw a clip of judge Napolitano talking about a conversation that he had with president Trump just weeks before the end of president Trump's term. I played it on the American journal before. I know it's not in the show folder today, so the crew doesn't need to worry about pulling it up. But basically Napolitano was called by Trump a couple of weeks before the end of his term and asked for some advice on some pardons that Trump wanted to issue. Who should I pardon? Why should I pardon this person? Don't let me miss anybody, that sort of thing. They're having a conversation around pardons. Judge Napolitano asked President Trump, he said, you promised the American people, you promised me personally, that you would release the classified documents around the JFK assassination, that you would share with the world why JFK was assassinated, who did it, what did we know, when did we know it, it would be shared. We know that basically everybody involved in the intelligence community or in the government at the time is dead now, so keeping these documents classified doesn't protect any individual person. It can only protect a nation or an organization or a department of the government. And what Trump said to Judge Napolitano was, Judge, if you had seen what I saw, you wouldn't release the classified documents either. And I'm thinking to myself, what could Trump possibly have seen That would keep him from releasing these classified documents. We know that he's come out against the swamp. We know he's brazenly antagonistic to the swamp. We know he's no friend of the CIA or the FBI. So if it was the CIA, why would he care about releasing the classified documents that would expose that? Or if it was the FBI, why would he care about releasing the classified documents? If it was the mafia, like some people believe, why would he care about releasing the classified documents? Unless it had something to do with Israel's nuclear proliferation. Because if the documents came out and it became public knowledge that Israel was responsible for the assassination or in part responsible or complicit in the assassination of the president of the United States in conjunction with John F. Kennedy's CIA, then suddenly there would be a political uprising against any support for Israel today. We see that this conflict is manifesting in Israel over the alleged Palestine dispute. We see that it's this sort of Islam versus Judeo-Christian values narrative that's played out in front of us. We see that there's arguments about who was in the territory first, who has the right to territory. It's as if the, the government believes that we are dumb enough to fall for this whole conflict being about a private property dispute. When the fact of the matter is, Israel is absolutely pivotal to the security of the United States in this IMEC quarter that was announced to the UN by Bibi Netanyahu. I believe on September 10th, just weeks before this attack, this attack from Hamas, of course on Israel. And we'll get into more details about that, but we know that, China has been developing this Belt and Road Initiative for some time because they want a monopoly on trade in the region, specifically from India through the Middle East to Europe, because if they have a monopoly on trade in the region, then they can supplant or subvert the U.S. dollar's global reserve status, which has been tied to OPEC in the region, tied to the exchange of oil in the region. And so if they had a monopoly over trade in the region, then they could leverage Any nation who participates in that trade corridor the same way that we have been sanctioning and leveraging our power as the global reserve currency over, in large, the Middle Eastern countries, as well as the likes of Russia and China. And so in order to subvert their effort at a monopoly of trade through the Belt and Road Initiative, we have announced, in partnership with Bibi Netanyahu, the IMEC corridor. This, of course, coming out on September 10th this year, just weeks before this attack by Bibi himself to the un president biden spoke about it at the g20 summit as well and what this corridor would do would set up a competitor trade route to undermine the monopoly that is the belt and road initiative but it relies on israel being a part of that corridor it relies on this corridor going through the port of haifa which we've seen has been bombed by gaza and Hamas militants multiple times. So in order to get international support, in order to get the support of the likes of Saudi Arabia and others for this corridor, to build this corridor, you have to stabilize Israel because nobody's going to want to invest in this corridor if these ports are constantly getting bombed by radicals in Gaza or the West Bank or wherever. And so they allowed this attack to happen to justify the annexation of Gaza and the eradication of all the people there. I'm sure that you remember the... Disaster that was our exit of Afghanistan. I've certainly, when I saw the footage of what was happening, people flying off of planes, falling off of planes, were leaving out of nowhere, desperately, sort of spontaneously. When you hear the reports of the billions upon billions of dollars of weapons that were left behind, I thought when I saw this, this was an example of Joe Biden's massive level of incompetence. But when you think about the Biden administration, it's hard to fault Joe Biden with something like this as a massive example of incompetence of the administration and simultaneously make the claim that Joe Biden isn't running things. It seems like a conflict, like just not logically coherent to say, all right, how is it that he could allow these disasters to happen, but simultaneously we claim that he's not actually running things. So did somebody else allow it to happen? And if it was somebody else, who was it? Was it, was it Barack Obama or was it the intelligence community? And I always sort of jump to the intelligence community. I think that we have a president who is running the country or the West wing is being run by committee. Right, It's being run by the intelligence community. In fact, I even think that the intelligence community, the FBI, the CIA, came to Joe Biden and blackmailed him, pressured him into running for the president of the United States, saying, look, you're going to go to prison. Your son's going to gonna go to prison unless you run for office. We'll get you elected and you're going to have to do what we say. I think that's the whole reason that he ran and that what we've seen in the last four years is the intelligence community's monopoly over all of the policies and directives of the White House, this administration, this regime. And so now when I'm looking back at what happened in Afghanistan, I'm starting to think, well, what if they did it on purpose? Why would they have done it on purpose? And I see what happened on October 7th in Israel. And I see that Hamas is running around with M4s, that there are reports that for some reason, the terrorists in the region were armed with not AK-47s from Russia, but U.S. weapons. I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God. Those are the weapons that we left behind in Afghanistan. And then I'm seeing other reports, things that we've covered on this very network that Hamas had been planning this for two years. And then I'm seeing other reports from last week that the AP was embedded. Journalists freelancers were embedded on the day of this attack as if they knew it was going to happen. And so I'm wondering how is it that Mossad or the CIA didn't know that these attacks were going to happen on Israel, but random freelancers writing for the AP knew How is it that they were able to plan this attack for two years without Mossad getting a tip or without the CIA getting a tip, but everybody else knew that it was going to happen? Why is it that no one expected that there would be a massive terrorist attack in Israel on the 50th year anniversary of Yom Kippur? As if it was some sort of surprise. And so it seems to me what happened was the CIA... The intelligence community intentionally left these small arms and munitions behind in Afghanistan so that Iran would acquire them and either give them to Hamas or sell them to Hamas so that this attack would happen on the 7th in order to justify the annexation of Gaza. Let's take a look at clip 26 of Bibi responding to some of Macron's statements about the stopping needing to happen Regarding the killing of babies, women, children, innocent people, things of that nature. Clip 26.
8: Prime Minister, as you know, even those in the South say they do not feel safe. French President Emmanuel Macron has said there is, quote, no justification for the ongoing bombing of civilians all over the world. You've seen protesters who are calling for an end to civilian deaths in
0: Gaza. Can you win this war without global support?
7: We will win this war. Because we have no other choice. There's no life for us. There's no future for us and our neighbors if we allow the axis of terror led by Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis and their minions to dominate. We have an alliance for peace on the other side. It includes Israel, the United States, the moderate Arab states and the rest of the civilized world. Now, it's a question who wins. We have to win. There's confusion in many parts of the uh, of the world, I have to say, not in the United States. I'm glad to see that the the majority of the American people support Israel. They understand that we're fighting the just battle of civilization against barbarism. But those who uh, those who protest for Hamas, you're protesting for sheer evil. There are a lot of misguided people out there who don't don't know the facts. You're talking to people who deliberately targeted civilians, who raped and murdered women, who raped, uh, uh, who who beheaded. Uh, men who burnt babies alive, who kidnapped uh, little babies and hostage and uh, and holocaust survivors, you name it. These are the people that you are supporting. Now, you cannot, it's like in World War II, yeah. the allies are fighting the Nazis, okay? Chancellor so Cole so- uh, of uh, Germany said, that Hamas are the new Nazis. So imagine now the allies are fighting the Nazis. They've been invaded France after they were attacked by the Nazis. They uh, they go into the cities of Germany. They're obviously, the Nazis are fighting within civilian quarters, and civilians get killed. In fact, many of them were killed. Millions were killed. Now, who do you protest against? Well, do you protest against the Nazis, or do you protest... Uh, against the allies. And what these people are doing is protesting for sheer evil. That's wrong. By the way, it's a condemnation. It's an indictment of higher education in some of our universities.
3: So they're framing this like this civilized world versus this barbarism. And don't get me wrong. Hamas is a terrorist organization. The majority of Palestinians support Hamas. There are innocent people there that are not complicit in this, that are suffering as a result of this war. Don't get me wrong about that either. But Hamas is a terrorist organization, just like Al-Qaeda and the Taliban were terrorist organizations, just like ISIS is a terrorist organization. But our intelligence community is amazing at using existing terrorists to perpetrate acts that are politically conducive to the success of the intelligence agenda. We saw this happen with 9-11. I believe that the 9-11 attacks happened by real radical terrorists in the name of some radical zealot form of Islam. But it was something that was used to our advantage intentionally to get us in the region to protect our interests as a nation because our currency depends on how oil is exchanged. As soon as Saddam Hussein starts advocating for an alternative currency to be used to the U.S. dollar and the way that we trade oil, that's when he gets toppled. As soon as Gaddafi comes out and says, we don't want to trade oil in U.S. dollars anymore, he gets toppled. As soon as we hear Iran murmuring about this, we start to see a conflict escalate in the region that's going to lead to a war with Iran. And we know that Israel funded Hamas years ago. There are clips of Bibi explicitly stating that it was part of their strategy, the Israeli strategy to fund Hamas in the region in order to sort of circumvent or supplant or subvert the independence of the regions. And the thing is, people are like, oh, well, the Jordanians and the Egyptians don't want to take any refugees from Palestine because... They refer to the Palestinians as dogs, and some of that is a little bit true. But the real reason that Jordan and Egypt don't want to take refugees from Palestine, from Gaza or the West Bank, is because then those refugees, many of them Hamas, would bomb Israel from Egypt and Jordan, and it could catalyze the conflict formally between Egypt, Jordan, and Israel. They want peace with Israel, so they don't want to take any of these refugees. And now we're hearing leftists in our country saying that we need to take in these radical refugees from the region because of this humanitarian crisis that's happening. And there is a humanitarian crisis happening. I am not lowering the expectations or sentiment or feelings around the tragedy that's happening with innocent children and things dying in the region. But why is it that we would allow these people into our country as refugees when we know that over 52% of them support Hamas and therefore terrorism and therefore attacking civilians and suicide bombing over 80% of people in Gaza according to the Pew research studies support suicide bombing sometimes as an appropriate political measure but we want to let them in our country and we simultaneously see that our border has been completely opened since the Biden administration has come into office for no obvious reason either it's not really politically conducive to the success of the Biden administration that this happens especially since the vast majority of the migrants that come into our country immediately get shipped to leftist cities and leftist states. So it's not really going to have an impact on the electoral college because they're not flipping swing states. They're not flipping conservative areas. They're just being shipped to the San Francisco's and the New York cities of the world, of of the country. So why is it that the Biden administration has taken such a lax position on the importation of these migrants into our country. And the reason is because the Biden administration works for the intelligence community because the Bidens were blackmailed into running for office against their will and agreed to do whatever the intelligence community said in order to protect Hunter and Joe from going to prison. Now Biden is going to have the opportunity before he walks away in shame to pardon his son. He's never going to be held accountable for his crimes. We see from our own speaker that there's not enough evidence to prosecute the president or impeach the president, all of a sudden things are getting so much easier for the Bidens again, after this new speaker comes in. And it's because they work for the intelligence community and the intelligence community wants the terrorists to come across the border into our country. They want radicals from Gaza or the West bank or any of the other areas of interest, 72,000 of which illegal aliens have been apprehended from countries of interest from terrorist countries. Imagine how many of the 10 million that got through without being apprehended are from these places of interest. The intelligence community wants terrorists to come into this country because they want a terrorist attack to happen in the next six months in this country. And they want it to be done by these radicals so that they can replace Biden as the Democratic candidate because he's not going to make it another four years with another leftist who will do whatever they say. And they want to explicitly get us involved in Israel so they can protect the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency. Because you got to keep in mind that our intelligence community thinks in terms of Machiavellian philosophy or utilitarian philosophy. And for those of you who don't know what that means, Machiavellian means the end justifies the means. Utilitarian means it's okay to kill 10 innocent people if it means saving 1,000 innocent people. It's okay for two towers to go down and kill over 3,000 people on 9-11 if it means that the United States can protect its global reserve currency status in the Middle East and save potentially hundreds of thousands. Because we know from studies during the Reagan administration that every time unemployment in this country goes up 1%, 40,000 people die, either from stress-related, heart attacks, things of that nature. Death goes up 40% per 1%. And so if the U.S. dollar is no longer the global reserve currency and we see unemployment rates of 30% instead of 3%, we're going to see hundreds of thousands of people in this country die. We're going to see our leverage evaporate in the global landscape. We're going to see a China that comes in and replaces our status with the yen. So now we work for China instead of China working for us. We're going to see World War III, and we're going to see a great reduction in our ability to win such a conflict. So not only will unemployment and hyperinflation go through the roof and domestic violence or domestic death rather go through the roof, but we'll likely get involved in another hot war. Overseas, a World War III, one that we're much less likely to win if we aren't the reserve currency. And so, this utilitarian, this Machiavellian approach to leadership is how our intelligence community, in some sick way, justifies conflicts where innocent people die. So, they're saying, all right, it's okay for us to allow somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 innocent Israelis to die in this attack because it's going to catalyze this conflict that's going to allow the annexation of Gaza. And it's okay for tens of thousands of innocent Gazans to die in this conflict while the rest are displaced or moved to another location because this is how we're going to secure ourselves against China throughout the 21st century. And we've arrived at this place where our intelligence community and our leaders are forced to make these utilitarian decisions, these Machiavellian decisions, because we've based our entire economy off of a lie, because we have betrayed the trust of the American people, sold out the interests of the American people, and established a fiat dollar when Nixon brought us off of the gold standard in the seventies, it was because we overspent and all of the international community was calling us on it. When the likes of France or other countries said, you know what? We'll give you, we'll give you the dollars that we have for the gold that you say you have. When they did that all at once, because we've been overspending ramping up into Vietnam, we didn't have the money. So it forced Nixon to say, Nope, we're not doing that anymore. And he immediately established OPEC to ensure that dollar would be traded or used for the trade of oil internationally. He replaced the gold standard with the black gold standard, with this OPEC petrodollar. And it's not just a conspiracy, folks, but when our government overspends and betrays the interests of the American people, largely it does so so that the political class can reap the rewards of the contracts that are funded with tax dollars. We know that every time a politician votes for an increase in spending, and both sides always do it every time, that many of these politicians are individually invested in the contractors that provide the goods or services that the government spends money on. We know that when we go to war, the likes of Raytheon or Lockheed Martin are heavily invested in by the political class that votes for us to go to war. We know that when there's a threat to Taiwan or when we vote on issues related to Taiwan, that Nvidia stock gets traded right and left by the likes of Nancy Pelosi because we know that whatever happens to Taiwan is gonna impact Nvidia. Graphic, a graphic card designer that relies on technology from Taiwan. So this is what our politicians do and have done. They invest in individual stocks and then they vote to ensure that those stocks go up so they can claim the returns. And it goes all the way from Nancy Pelosi to that myopic cuck Dan Crenshaw, whose portfolio I believe even outperformed Pelosi's in terms of gains recently recently. Both sides do it. It's the political class. It's the uniparty. They do it and they want to increase the spend and they want to increase the printing of the money because it's a way that they tax you and then they fund these initiatives that give them kickback laundered through the stock market so they can actually pocket your tax dollars legally. That's what's so sick about it. They've established a system in which they can pocket tax dollars legally. And since the money is based off of a lie, since we don't have a real gold standard, They can do this infinitely. There was a cap on how much the government could spend when the amount of dollars was backed by gold. Because if we didn't have the gold, we couldn't spend the dollars. That was very inconvenient for a political class that wanted to monetize its power. And so because of that dishonesty, because of that lie that we set up, because of this fiat status that we've given our currency that's fake, not backed by anything... We have brought ourselves to a position in which our status as the dominant economy, our status as the global reserve currency depends on our military force in the region. We have to force these countries with military strength to trade using the dollar to increase demand for the dollar artificially because there's really no value in it. And that is how our political class ensures that our economy survives as well as their own Ponzi scheme or laundering schemes survive. It's not a coincidence that ever since the establishment of the Federal Reserve Bank, I believe in 1913, has been every world war and every major economic crash. These conflicts are almost always about banking and money. Every time. And they'll use excuses like, oh, this is about private property rights or who was in the territory for us. So this is a humanitarian issue or, you know, one side is civilized, one side isn't. It's like, OK, then why do we care about this conflict, but not the fact that tens of thousands of Armenians were just displaced and genocided? Anybody hear about that? We pick and choose the conflicts that we care about. We didn't say anything about the Uyghurs in China who were being camped and slaughtered by China. But we're all of a sudden interested in Ukraine. We're all of a sudden interested in funding actual Nazis and lying about the fact that they're Nazis in Ukraine. <laughs> Why do we pick, pick that conflict over another conflict or another humanitarian crisis? Why do we not talk about any of the warlords or any of the humanitarian crises that are happening in Africa? The reason is because these crises aren't actually about our hearts bleeding and going out to these people. It's not about who's actually right in the Israel-Palestine conflict. It's not about who's actually right in the Russia-Ukraine conflict. It's only about ensuring that for the 21st century, we have a monopoly on economic force throughout the world. And our politicians know that this global reserve currency status we have is not sustainable. They know that eventually fractional reserve banking based off of fiat currency must collapse. They know that in order for the dollar to continue to work, they have to constantly increase the debt. They have to constantly increase the spending and eventually our GDP, our economy, our growth will not keep up with the rate at which we increase our debt. And it will collapse. And so they want to be the ones that usher in this new monetary system, this great reset, this digital currency, because they know that the existing currency we we have is not sustainable and they want to replace it. But if the yen becomes the global reserve currency before the United States and its allies, its partners are able to replace the dollar with this new digital currency that controls and tracks everything, then it's game over for the United States in the 21st century. That's why they actually want this genocide between israel and palestine that's why the united states is suddenly so interested in fighting for israel that's why we claim to love the democracy in the region so much it doesn't matter nobody in our government actually gives a damn about jews or muslims at all because we know the government doesn't have a conscience it doesn't care about innocent people we bombed the hell out of innocent people not only on 9 11 but throughout the wars. Over 500,000 innocent people died between the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, largely because of collateral damage from the United States. There are specific instances of families being bombed by our drones under the Biden administration, moving water from one part of a town to another. We know the government doesn't actually care about innocent people. It wants to eradicate innocent people if it means that the outcome will be the sustained power of the United States in the global region. And it knows that this dollar is going to collapse and they want to be in control of navigating the replacement for it when the time comes. And if China beats us to the punch, if China gets the yen in as a global reserve currency before the United States is able to replace this dollar system with this digital currency then China is going to determine our future instead of the United States. And that's why our intelligence community is all about World War III. That's why our intelligence community is importing terrorists across our border. They want to see a terrorist attack in the next six months. It's why 60,000 tons of ammonium nitrate disappeared from a train on the way from Wyoming to California. And no one knows where it is. I'll tell you where it is. It's with the Hamas sympathizers that illegally crossed the border. Just wait till you see these explosives that are going to happen, these explosions that are going to happen in the next six months made from ammonium nitrate. Where did it go? No one is asking Joe Biden about where the 60,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate is. I guarantee we're going to find out in a hard way, in a tough way, in a brutal way, in a cruel way, exactly where that ammonium nitrate is. And it's going to be used as an excuse to get us into world war three, to protect the dollar. We're going to say that we're going to fight terror and to protect democracy and our Judeo-Christian values in Israel, but it's nothing to do with that. And we're going to do this so that we can establish this IMEC corridor as a competitor to the Belt and Road Initiative that China is establishing. So that we can ensure that the U.S. dollar remains the global reserve currency while we work with the globalists at NATO and the United Nations and the World Economic Forum to establish this new digital currency where they can track all of your purchases, where they can control what you buy when, because only when they have total control over how money is transacted can they perpetuate the lie that is fiat currency because a lie cannot live in the face of truth. Truth literally just evaporates a lie like the sun on a pool of water. And so in order to perpetuate fiat, you have to build a fantasy around it. You have to build a lie around it to protect it. And the only way to do that is if the government has total control of every variable in the equation, they can come in, they can say, we're using the digital dollar. Now we can go into a cashless society. We're going to say how much money you can spend on fuel every month in the name of the environment. We're going to say how much money you can spend on food every month and how much meat you can get versus how many crickets you have to get. And that's how they're going to control the economy. And they're going to do it all in the name of protecting the planet and national security interests, it's all going to come under the guise of some sort of temporary measure or some reaction to a Hamas-inspired terrorist attack with ammonium nitrate. That's how they're going to use it as an excuse. But the fact of the matter is, the only reason they have to do this in the first place is because we built our entire economy, our entire currency on a lie. We overspent and lied about it, so we had to go off the gold standard, and now we've been spending like hell And it's a lie. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's going to fall on its face. And when that happens, we are going to see a massive movement in this country. When we see 30% unemployment and hyperinflation like was present in the Weimar Republic, you're going to see a population of Americans that are radicalized and they want by then to ensure that there's a digital currency as the only legal way to exchange money so that they can control and keep us from organizing keep us from assembling keep us from funding any of our political initiatives they want total control over how money is exchanged before everything falls apart so that they can keep the revolution from happening so they can keep the great awakening from happening so they can keep american patriots from coming back together organizing standing up and saying no more
9: listen to the full show without ads at
3: patreon.com Welcome back to Sunday Night Live. I'm your host today, Chase Geyser. We're going to be taking calls this hour again. That's 877-789-2539. Before I start taking calls, I'm going to just touch on a couple of things here. Biden saying that there's no possibility of a Gaza ceasefire as death toll mounts. Joe Biden bluntly rejected overwhelming calls for a ceasefire in Gaza, saying there was no possibility of that happening, which goes to show that the United States actually wanted this conflict to happen, that they want to annex Gaza. And we even see similar language from... The Trump campaign, they're framing it as an attack on America. Anytime Americans die, there'll be this compensation of justice. Trump vows a gallon of enemy's blood for one American drop. A new campaign ad for Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump has capitalized on his recent vow to spill a gallon of U.S. enemy's blood for each drop of American blood spilled. A short clip that has since been widely shared on social media starts with the October 7th attack on Israel by Hamas and retaliation by Israel. Let's go ahead and run clip five, and then we'll go to calls.
2: Before thousands were brutally killed, including Americans. Before Iran helped Hamas plan the attack, killing Americans. Before Biden gave billions of taxpayers' money to Iran. Trump played hardball with Iran. Destroyed ISIS. Kept the Middle East at peace. Kept us out of endless wars. Through strength
9: History shows very plainly that evil only respects one thing Unyielding strength When I'm back in the White House, our enemies will know If you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours
2: President Trump, the strength we need to make America
8: strong again I'm Donald J. Trump and I approve this message
3: Let's hear from Johnny Freight Train and Tally. Johnny, what's on your mind this evening?
11: How much I appreciate what you're doing. You're doing a damn good job. Thank you, sir. Uh, And and I don't care what anybody says. Let water run off your back like a duck. Uh, I'm proud you're a Mason instead of a Lucifer from Ferrick.
3: Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate that.
11: (laughs) Okay, man. Talk to you later.
3: All right, man. Take care. Let's hear next from Jake in Virginia. Jake, what's on your mind?
11: Uh, thank you, Chase. You're doing a wonderful job filling in for Owen. Thank you. And uh, well, you, you guys are spot on. You give us hope. And uh, I'm a United States Army veteran of 20 years, and uh, uh, I'd like to save our country for our kids. And um, you guys got the, all the answers, and we need solutions to uh, legal targeted uh, solutions yeah. to correct these problems we have.
3: Yeah. Well, I think one of the most imperative things is that we maintain freedom of speech on the Internet, on the air. So it's been really a miracle that Musk bought Twitter and turned it into X. He hasn't been perfect about it. Obviously, Alex Jones isn't back on the platform yet. Hopefully soon he will be. We're always working to try to make that happen. But we are faced with an onslaught of an intelligence community that wants to ensure it has a monopoly on the way Not only that we exchange money, but the way that we exchange information. Because all freedom of speech is, is the exchanging of thoughts. So an attack on the freedom of speech is an attack on free thought. They want to punish us or silence us for our thought crimes, which is why networks like Infowars are so important, because there's only a handful of people with a substantial audience who are actually telling you, Genuinely, what is happening, genuinely, what will happen next, or at least even when we get it wrong, 5% of the time, 1% of the time, whatever, it's an earnest mistake, an honest mistake. We're not ever intentionally lying to you. There's no incentive for us to do so. The world is crazy enough that we don't have to make up conspiracy theories in order to capture your attention, folks. We don't have to go around and come up with things that just obviously aren't true and then try to back them up. The world's crazy enough. It's the most corrupt time in the history of the world. And all the documents are there. They've been publishing for years what they want to do. You can see it in the headlines. You can see the conflicts in what they've claimed. We have Joe Biden saying that they're going to take down the Nord Stream 2 pipeline if Russia invades Ukraine. Then it happens, and he says, Oh my gosh, it's Russian disinformation that it happened. And then it comes out that Ukraine did it and told, the, or the CIA was aware of it months before. So they lied over and over again. And it's like with Orwell, at least. In 1984, whenever the government would tell a lie on the news, they would delete the old news so that you couldn't ever fact check it or verify it. We've always been at war with Eurasia. We've al- this has always been the war. This is where We've never been at war with so-and-so. They always would lie but then cover up where you could prove them wrong. But the documents are all here, folks, because we're in this transition period between freedom and a total takeover from the New World Order, from the globalist agenda. And in the transition, there are people who believe the lies being told by the globalists, but the fact-checking, the truth still exists in the interim, and that's where Infowars sits. Infowars sits on the bridge between the free world and the new world order, where the truth exists, where the lies can be proven wrong, and we're one of the last places sitting there. Joe Rogan is on that cusp. I think Steve Bannon is on that cusp. I think there's some other notable people that are sort of on this bridge between the two worlds. But Everyone else has been shot off, pushed off the edge by the intelligence community. And that's why it's so important to do things like go to defendjones.com and help Alex in this fight against him, which is really a fight against you and the freedom of speech. There's a reason that they came after him after Donald Trump was elected because they saw him as a legitimate threat to their total control of the world because of the influence that we have, because of the impact that we have. And that's why they're trying to shut this operation down by all means, they have spent tens of millions of dollars to take Infowars off of the Internet itself, despite having already taking, uh, taken us off Twitter, despite having already taken us off of Apple podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, every social media platform. YouTube, where we were getting hundreds of millions of views, they've taken us down, but there are still upwards of 10 million people a week listening to this network Because people insist on seeking out the truth. People insist on finding the truth. And after their censorships have failed, they come after us with lawsuits because they want to bring us off of the air. And the only way that we're going to survive against this New World Order takeover is if the truth can be spoken and broadcast out loud and clear before the government, before the New World Order has acquired total control of the way that money and communication is exchanged. So the best thing you can do is go to defendjones.com or infowarsstore.com. Let's hear next from Jay in Pennsylvania. Jay, what's in your mind? How are you doing, Chase? Good, man. Thanks for calling.
11: Um, you know, all these conspiracies that keep coming true. I'm grateful for InfoWars to be there to kind of open people's minds and eyes. I, I uh, sold the screen there. you know, I'm wearing one of Alex's uh, shirts there, mm-hmm. the Trump 24, they asked where'd you get it and I passed the information on and I, I, I buy all the products and, uh. I'm gonna put it in a nice order, probably Friday. But I'm, I'm financially a little strapped right now, even though I'm doing okay. Everybody I'm, is, man. Doing okay yeah,
3: everybody is. But
11: but I'm just thinking, you know, and, and this is—I I, I don't want to—I don't want to beg for Alex. But uh, the bottom line is that you know he's got he's got a, a billionaire as a friend there. You know, he, he might want to throw Alex a bone there. Yeah. And I, I, he did look—he did look good over there in that black. Pat Black. He looked slim and he looked fit and he sounded a little a little up today and that's good.
0: Yeah, he looked and, good
11: tonight. Uh, you're, you're filling in really well for uh, Owen. I'm 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 worried for him, but um and, and Harrison's doing a great job. You're all doing a great job. I just hope that uh, nothing happens to the program because I like the supplements and yeah. I'm getting low on a couple and I got to make an order.
0: Yeah, but, absolutely. Um,
11: like I, like I told the other guy that all these. All these, all these, facts, like that are happening with this DDBC or whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, digital currency. There, that you know, I'm 59 and a half, and I want to pull my cash and, and convert it uh, from the 401 and convert it to gold. And I got to wait one more month, and I just keep praying that because the 401, it's all over the place. One more month, one more month, and I get that money, and I'll, I'll buy all silver and gold. And I've been sweating, you know, hoping that that the bottom doesn't drop out. And then I'm thinking, well, what are you going to do with silver and gold? I mean, you you can't go to the grocery store and and buy things with silver and gold unless it's real small denominations. But anyways, it's all scary. The world is scary. But uh, I got faith that we're going to get through this. Mm -hmm. and, uh, And I would love to see all those camps turned into prisons and put all these people that are so corrupt in them and close
3: the doors. And be, be yeah. Done yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And, and I think that you're probably going to be okay. If you're able to make that, that, that change in the next month, of course I can't give any financial advice on this network. I'm not certified to do that sort of thing, but thank you so much for your call and for being a supporter of Infowars, being a customer of InfoWars store.com. It means a lot to us. And I know that it's easy to get black pilled in this environment. It's easy to get to a point where we believe that this entropy is inevitable that failure and decline is coming no matter what, that there's nothing that we can do to fight back. But fact of the matter is slavery is a choice. You cannot be conquered until you give up. It's the reason the United States hasn't won a war since World War II because our enemies just simply never give up before we do. It's not our soldiers who lose these wars. It's not our generals who lose these wars. It's our politicians who lose them by giving up. Not that they should ever have been waged in the first part, But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter whether or not the U.S. government has nuclear weapons, has F-35s or whatever Joe Biden says is going to be a deterrent to a revolution in this country. As long as the enemy doesn't give up, you can't really ever win. We couldn't win Vietnam because the enemy just kept popping out. It's the same thing with patriotism, with what we're doing here in the United States. They can only win if patriots give up and comply. They can only win if they have beaten us down psychologically to the point where we stop resisting, where we stop speaking our minds, where there is no underground railroad of patriots to patriots, where there is no push for the truth. But I know out there, there are millions of info warriors who have been listening and downloading and saving every broadcast from this show on external hard drives. I know that in the event that there's some sort of major collapse in which our entire infrastructure is shut down or some EMP attack, which eradicates our ability to have power in this country, 90% of the people on the continent die as estimates show what happen if we didn't have power for nine months in this country. I know that there would still be info warriors among you with flash drives full of info wars broadcast saying Alex Jones was right. And as long as the spirit of America lives in the heart of a single American, American can, America can be a country in the world again. It can be a nation in the world again. As long as America lives in the heart of a single American, the United States can become the United States of America again, instead of just, just, U.S. globalist hegemony. Let's hear next from Jennifer in Dallas. Jennifer, what's on your mind?
10: Hi. Um, so my husband, Michael Hansen, always listens to y'all, and I'm kind of like a secondary factor in all of it. Uh-huh. And with Owen leaving and everything, you know, it's been kind of like dim and sad. But we—I just wanted to call my husband. We were sitting on the couch, and he's like, "You need to call in because I wanted to let you know how much I appreciate the fire, like the energy that you're bringing to the conversation right now." And then I think you're doing such a great job and um, we would just love to continue hearing the enthusiasm that you have for everything that's going on right now.
3: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's always good to hear that positive feedback. We are all fired up here. It's not just the host. It's not just Harrison, myself and Alex, but everybody in the crew is fired up. You should see what this operation looks like behind the scenes with people bustling around, especially during the week. It is crazy how enthusiastic and excited everyone is to be telling the truth as rapidly as we can, as effectively as we can, and frankly, this next 12 to 24 months, I think is going to be the most important one to two year period in the history of our nation. I think that what we're going to see happen over this next, next election cycle is going to be some, it's the fork in the road. Whether or not the United States becomes America again, or whether the United States just descends into this globalist hellhole. Is really what's happening in the next 12 months. And that's why it's so important to keep this operation on the air. That's why when I hear Alex talk about how, hey, if we don't raise enough money by January, then we're going to have a three-month wind down. I'm like, we can't have a three-month wind down in the first half of the year of 2024 when we had this election coming up. We have to make it through 2024. If we can make it through 2024, we can save this country. That's why it's more important now than ever that you go to InfoWarsStore.com and buy Ultra 12 or that you go to DefendJones.com and help him pay for his legal bills because they're going to try to shut us down any way they can. And this country needs this network and this audience especially more than ever. And if the network goes away, the audience dissipates and they're scattered and they're divided. And we need to be united as a patriot front as a movement against globalism, as a movement against the war, against freedom of thought, freedom of speech and national sovereignty, not only national sovereignty, but individual sovereignty to the point where they don't even want you having your own thoughts, but they want you brainwashed by a monopoly controlled, intelligence community controlled narrative, similar to what they were experimenting on with MK ultra. Next, I want to hear from Jay in Florida. Jay, what's on your mind? How's
5: it going. Can you hear me?
3: Yep. Sound great.
5: All right, so uh, this all this MK Alter talk, um, I've been trying to call in for a while, uh, mostly when Alex is on, but I, I realize you were live tonight. Anyway, I was talking to the guy that interviewed me. I was in a uh, WASP camp. It's a worldwide association of specialty programs.
8: Mm-hmm. Um,
5: they were all over the world, and they did tactics that pretty much sound exactly like what you're talking about. Um, they would come... You go in, they'd shave your head, you'd be in a room with thirty guys with a ten thousand pound magnet um, blocking the door and they would basically break you down and build you back up. Um, it pretty much textbook brainwashing. Um you would have to go to these seminars and, and like they did processes just. what they put as, you as, in this camp for? Oh, you know, for for naughty kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I mean, there was kids there that just like had ADD and they were like 12 or 13 and they'd have to walk in lines and do fish. It it was everybody. It's parents that couldn't, um, you know, deal with their kids. So, um, just for an example, you'd sit in a room for like five to eight hours and you would do repetitive things like put your hands up, down, uh, put them together and take them apart. And then they would uh, switch the order around uh, on those things. And if you missed the order, you'd get kicked out of the seminar and you'd be there for a month longer. Um, I mean, I was there for 16 and a half months. There's kids that were there for years. Um, the one I was at, I believe, got shut down by the feds eventually, but I just don't hear it talked about on any kind of conspiracy channel, so I thought I would call in and get the information. I've literally been through that stuff myself. Have wow. you heard of anything like that?
3: Wow, I'm sorry that you you went through that. I haven't specifically done a lot of research on camps that do that sort of thing here in the United States. I know that there are certain sort of private organizations that have gotten in trouble for going too far, especially with troubled youth. But I haven't ever heard of this sort of brainwashing by design to that extent, but I don't doubt for a minute that it happened. And I'm really sorry that you experienced that. Of course, we know that the government has done extensive research on how to brainwash people. After all, the government's power comes from the people. So if the government can control the way that people think, they can control the way that people behave. And if they can control the way that people behave, they can ensure that they at least maintain, if not expand their power for eternity. So I'm so sorry that you experienced that, but I'm very grateful that you called in and just raised the awareness of that with the audience because that is coming for everyone. It's just like the Red Dawn. It's similar to what we saw with the internment camps during World War II, where you have to complete surveys. You have to prove your loyalty and devotion and adoration and love the united states otherwise you're thought of as a spy for the enemy that's the sort of thing that we're going to be faced with when there is this takeover and the more insane and crazy and dangerous and violent and conflicted things become in the global community the more likely it is that we are put on lists that we are put in camps that we are pitted against one another that our social media interactions that our text message interactions are studied and that we are sent off to be reworked reframed brainwashed and we saw this happen with the communist movements that took hold in russia in china in north korea what they do you mess up they send you to a camp for eight weeks and you always obey after that look what happened with otto Warmbier, the american student who was arrested in north korea for stealing a poster off of a wall before they killed him Fortunately, Trump was able to get him back just before he died. Before they killed him, they made him do this sort of embarrassing, pathetic, begging, desperate apology and confession before the world... Of course he didn't betray North Korea. Of course he didn't deserve years upon years of hard labor as a punishment for his crimes. They were just using him as an example. These are the abuses that they want to bring upon you. They enjoy seeing pain inflicted upon their political enemies because they are these masochists. They are evil. They love to see torture and suffering. The way it makes you sick is the way it makes them hot. And so if you want to stop evil, if you want to fight Satan or this Luciferianism, or this just descent into this hedonistic, pleasure-seeking, pain-thriving, blood-drinking, vampiric, demonic, pot belly goblin world that Alex Jones has been talking about for years, then you have to stand up now because the inconveniences of standing up now against the new world order, against these politicians, this political class, the inconveniences of losing your job— Or having a friend not want to talk to you anymore are so much less intense than the inconveniences of not saying anything and then being faced with this new world order. Because I tell you what, they're going to find out what you thought, what you said behind closed doors eventually anyway. And they're going to come after you anyway. And they're going to subjugate you anyway, even if you play ball. The first ones that are killed after a revolution are the revolutionaries. So even if you're complicit and you hang on and you're cool and then this new world order takes over and you never did anything wrong, they're still going to come after you because you remember what it was like when things were better and they don't want anybody who remembers what it was like before they have to eradicate you. It's just like the the story of the giver where only one person has the memories of what the world was like before and everybody else has to be ignorant of it. Otherwise the new system doesn't work. We see the same thing with Orwell. It's like this whole past world has to be forgotten or the movie equilibrium with Christian Bale, which was basically a ripoff of the matrix, but even cooler. Where they have to destroy the art and the writing and eradicate their emotions of a population before. Science fiction is not just science fiction. It's a prophecy. Science fiction doesn't just tell you what happens in a galaxy far, far away a long, long time ago. It tells you what's going to happen next in this galaxy, on this planet next. Time and time again, science fiction has been right. Whether it's Brave New World and Aldous Huxley predicting the television before the television was even invented. Whether it's George Orwell predicting these camps or the New World Order takeover, or how socialists or communists justify everything or how the mass media and the intelligence community spy on you and everyone else and lie to you about what's really happening in order to control you. Whether it's George Orwell talking about the rationing where you'll be delighted that you have a fresh razor or a gram of chocolate or fresh coffee. We see the crickets being pushed to us by the New World Order who says that it's better for the environment if we all eat bugs. That's because they're preparing a shortage, an intentional shortage of food. They want the food to be in short order because when they create a crisis, they can come up with a solution and they can sell it to you because the desperate people will give away any freedom for relief from their suffering. They want a massive famine. They want a shortage in this country. They want all of the farmland to belong to Bill Gates or China or someone else. They want the farmers to go out of business so there isn't enough yield, so they can come in, put you in camps, or force you on the cricket diet, and get you in line with the World Economic Forum or Davos or the UN or NATO's plan for your future as they control the new currency, the Great Reset. And I'm telling you what, they say that you will own nothing and be happy. First of all, yes, you'll own nothing. Second of all, you won't be happy. And third of all, if you own nothing, then who owns it? If the entire economy is based off of renting from someone else, we'll just rent and lease everything, whether it's our home, whether it's our appliances, whether it's our books, whether it's our television, if we're going to lease it, who does own it? Because someone's going to own it. So what they're really saying is we are going to be the Lord of all property we're going to give you a great deal on it, and you're going to be happy about it. Because if you're not happy about it, you're going to be in prison or dead. Because ownership is not something that is like a new invention of capitalism. Private property rights are certainly a new notion over the last several hundred years. The idea that an individual can have something that it's not just the Lord's land, that it's not some fiefdom or serfdom, that's sort of a new concept, relatively but private property has always existed. There's, somebody has always owned something, whether it was the Vatican that owned the land, whether it was the Roman Empire that owned the land that they just allowed you to inhabit. Somebody always owns everything. So if you're going to own nothing, that means somebody else is going to own everything and you're going to have to go to them when you need it and they're not going to give it to you unless you comply with their terms. The whole entire point of private property rights is so that we have different people owning different things and we have competition. So, if you need goods and services and things, you can go around and the competition keeps everybody honest. But if there's just one globalist monopoly over all property, all services, all information, all money itself, there's one bank with all the money itself that everybody owes to, then there can be no freedom private property rights and freedom are deeply intertwined. We are born with the right over our own life inalienable rights, our own body and that which we produce from it with our own free will. It is given to us by God and only those who are Luciferian or satanic would ever seek to take it away from us because that's what the devil wants after all, isn't it? The devil wants to take away the greatest gift of God to man and sees it for himself He envies us. He wishes that he had our goodness and our power. And so he seeks to control us out of his bitterness as a revenge against God himself. And that's why whether these Satanists even know they're Satanists or not, everything that they do is inherently evil. Everything that is globalized or conglomerated is inherently evil because it eradicates the ability for individuals to have their own rights, their own property, their own freedom, their own thought, their own art, their own experiences, their own relationships, They don't want any of the freedom to run through your veins at at all. Because after all, if you're free, then that is a threat to their power. If you can actually vote for who you want to be in office, then they don't ensure for themselves total power. The irony, of course, is that those who seek to take complete power are the ones who love freedom the most. Those who seek total control and total power, they love freedom more than anyone else. They just want it all for themselves. Because they know that they can only achieve true freedom for themselves where they can do absolutely anything, control absolutely anything, anything, not be subject to what happens in the environment if they have total control and power for themselves. They love it so much, they don't want anybody else to have it because as long as someone else has freedom, it's a threat in their eyes to their own freedom. And so they'll take it away from you. And then if you complain, they'll say that you're selfish or a capitalist or an egoist or narcissistic or you don't care for the poor or you're a right-wing extremist or you're a domestic terrorist. Let me tell you what folks, the government's never cared about anything for the greater good. Anytime we've ever seen a government come to power in the name of the greater good, we've seen collectivism. Anytime we've ever seen a government advocate for equity equal outcome for everyone, it's made, it's made everybody equally poor instead of just unequally prosperous. And I'm telling you right now, whether it's Soviet Russia or whether it's during the Chinese revolution It's better to be unequally prosperous than it is to be equally poor because there are food lines after food lines. There are families torn apart. There are members of families and friends just disappearing because of something they might have said. There's heightened paranoia. There's starvation. It's the reason that 250,000 Ukrainians joined the Nazis when the Nazis came against Russia because they'd suffered so much having their food and their crops taken from them by the Soviet government. That they were like, finally, someone else is here to liberate us from communism. They all became Nazis. I would have done the same thing. And I'm not an advocate for Nazis at all. But it's the reason there's still Nazis today. It's the reason there's still Nazi sympathizers today. Because boy, did they suffer even more after the war because of what they'd done. 250,000 volunteers. Some of them buried outside of Philadelphia with the Iron Cross still up. In a Catholic cemetery dedicated to Ukrainian World War II soldiers who fought for the Nazis. Meanwhile, we have all the leftists here in the United States tearing down statues of Benjamin Franklin or defacing statues of our founding fathers or tearing down our flag at these pro-Hamas protests. Nobody seems to be going outside of Philadelphia to Elkins Park to take down the Iron Cross in a a cemetery. We're going to take more calls in the next segment. Make sure you call on 877-789-2539. And more than ever, we need you now to visit InfoWarsStore.com. More than ever, we need you now to check out Ultra 12, which is back in stock. Get anything you can. I know that times are tight for everyone. Times are tight for me, too. I know that expenses are up. I know that incomes are staying stagnant while costs go up everywhere. I know that interest rates have gone up to 8%. I know that bankruptcy is up 20% year over year. But InfoWarsStore.com is not an expense. It is an investment in yourself. It is an investment
12: in this movement. Breathing hard under a blanket placed over her in 36-degree weather. Her stuff in a bag next to her. The employee claimed she sees this a lot. So I started watching, and on December 16th at 7 p.m., 35 degrees outside, I record three security guards surrounding an elderly woman with a walker, slowly escorting her out of the emergency room. She can't move fast. It takes several minutes to make it all the way to the same corner of Hancock and Ali. After they have her across the street, off the hospital property, the security guards turn around and go back. When they clear, I catch up to her, and she says she can't breathe. They told me that I couldn't stay on the premises. Amen. Were you in there as a patient? Well, I needed to be a patient because I'm I'm, I'm sick. What's What's wrong with you? I have got COPD. I got diabetes. So they wouldn't even treat you? The doctor talked to
10: me for one minute.
12: And they told you what? that I had to leave. What reason did he give you? But he didn't give me a reason. She tells me she's homeless. So I've got to go it. What's, what's I'm in pain.
2: I was in a car crash, and it completely shattered my hip and pelvis. Right here, I got like... 30 some
12: Matthew Haber and his mother claim a similar story. They met us in front of Wayside Mission in the spot where they say he was dumped in October.
10: Anywhere. And they said, well, we can't find a rehab right now.
12: Linda Haber said when Norton Hospital told her they had a room lined up for Matthew at Wayside, she checked it out.
10: I called Wayside Christian Mission and just to confirm and they said, no, they said, well, we we can't do that. We can't you know, they have beds and they help them find jobs and stuff, but we don't take medically needy people. We don't do that.
12: Then she says she had a conference call with the hospital staff.
10: The social worker said, we're going to take him to a a shelter. And I said, which one? And they said, uh, Wayside Christian Mission. And I I said, well, I know that's not true because I called them and they don't take him. And then the lady said, uh, the social worker said, well, that's history. Let's think of something else.
12: Hopper says the next day her son was unloaded from a transport vehicle on the curb in the rain on Jackson Street in front of Wayside.
10: I thought they dumped my my garbage. I have to put it out to the curb. That's how I, they dumped my son like garbage.
12: Linda Hopper said she was in no shape to care the for him at home. The government likes to act like it cares about your health,
3: and then you see things like patient dumping. We know that the fact of the matter is the government only cares about monetizing big pharma because it personally invests in the political class that is personally invests in these big pharmaceutical companies spends your tax dollars on the major pharmaceutical products and services and then if you go to the hospital and you can't pay they'll just dump you out on the street they don't care what time of the year it is they don't care who you are but if you can't pay if you don't have coverage then you're just an expense a cost to the state you're not actually worth it to them they just want to dump you we see that big pharma is rebranding the failed pharmaceutical products with new covid flu double jab Because nobody even wants to say the word COVID anymore, let alone get any more vaccine injections for it. Pfizer CEO Albert Bourla is proposing combining his new company's latest mRNA booster shots with seasonal influenza vaccines, creating a new all-in-one COVID flu. Double jab. They want to hide that they're vaccinating you for COVID under this jab. This all in the context of this new trial from Pfizer saying that sudden deaths are twice as high among vaccinated in the Pfizer trial, sudden deaths were twice as high in the vaccine group of the original Pfizer clinical trial than in the placebo group. Researchers have found reigniting concerns about safety over the novel mRNA drug. They don't care about you, they just want you to work, make money, pay taxes, buy drugs so they can liquidate your assets and then live high on the hog amid the apocalypse, the end times, the total judgment. Of the world that is inevitably being brought upon us by this evil. Meanwhile, RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel struggles to defend record after Virginia losses. Ramaswamy mocks interview as self-immolating. So we see yet another example of someone defending themselves among the political class within the political class, despite the fact of having failed us in 2018, in 2020, in 2022. If you look at the jobs that are being hired for by the political class. If you look at the DNC versus the RNC's website and compare the roles they are hiring for, you will be very disappointed to find that the Democrats seem to be taking the elections much more seriously than the Republicans. The Democrats seem to be hiring as if they were a startup in Silicon Valley, as if they were a multi-billion dollar company, which they are. Well, the Republicans just ask for applications For potential interns down the road. There is no effort. There is no initiative being taken because we have a party that is sold out to the Uniparty. Let's go ahead and run clip 10 of Vivek.
9: Swami, let me turn to you. Uh, Please make your case. Why would you, uh, why should you be the nominee and not the former president? I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican party here. And I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. It is a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ron McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will Turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Walker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with the Hunter Biden laptop story. And they're going to rig this election. Your time is up. Accountability. Let me turn That's to Governor, the Governor Christie. Yep.
3: There you have it, folks. There you have it. And they just smile smugly as they know that they've been caught in their lies. They know that only half of the population is even going to witness it, so they just get away brazenly with these lies. What really disturbs me about this is how so many people on the left have been exposed to the fact that this is a lie. They've been exposed to the truth of the Hunter Biden story. And yet they're still not changing their mind. They're still going to support the Democratic candidate. They're still going to support Biden. Even in the face of the lie. Can you imagine if we found out that the right had told such a substantial lie about Donald Trump? I know that there are a lot of people who worship Donald Trump as an idol, but I still believe that the right in America that the average patriot in America had there been such a lie about Don jr's laptop had the story been flipped then the Republicans would have abandoned Donald Trump for a true candidate and more than the left would because the left just cannot face a reality. They have such cognitive dissonance. They have such Trump derangement syndrome that they can't even admit that the Biden administration is the most corrupt in inter- administration in the history of the United States of America. And here we see, too, that the evidence supports this when we look at the RFK candidacy, because if you look at the numbers, RFK is pulling more money from former Trump voters than he is from former Biden voters. You would think that the Democrats would be excited to have another option on the left to support instead of this dementia ridden Joe Biden. But we see that it's actually former Trump voters who are more likely to support this candidate than it is former Biden Voters, why is that? Well, it's because RFK is a false flag. He's a fake candidate. He's a patsy. He is a plant. He has been put in this race by the Democrats, whether he knows it or not, to run as an independent, as a third candidate in this race, so that he will pull votes away from the right and the left will be ushered in. The data's in, guys. He is pulling more from the right then from the left, no matter what the mainstream media headlines will tell you, and it's all intentional, there's a reason that the woman running his campaign is a former CIA operative who is also his daughter-in-law, this announced just in the last couple of weeks. Why would a Kennedy ever hire anyone that worked for the CIA to run their campaign? I don't understand. And so she's either playing him or he's playing ball with the establishment. But this is going to manifest in splitting the vote against Trump and ushering in whoever the leftist is that they run for office. Let's watch clip 12. We're going to do a
2: deep dive, not in my words, but in RFK Jr.'s words on what he really stands for and who he really is. This is treason
4: and we need to start treating them now as traitors. Do I think the Koch brothers should be prosecuted for reckless and dangerous? Absolutely. That's a criminal offense.
2: I've got major, major, major concerns about RFK Jr.
4: We should be proud in our state that we've gotten somebody of the quality and the timber and the character of Hillary Clinton. Oh, I'm solidly for Hillary. I think Hillary is going to be a very, very good president.
2: Maybe he's just a chameleon. but. I'm sick of chameleons. I think vaccines should be subject to the same level
4: of rigorous testing as other medications. So We now have an open border here. There are people being drawn here. Uh, they're being abused. And then your treatment are two things that are bound to kill you, ventilators and remdesivir. Anecdotally, it appears that almost every one of these shooters were on SRIs or some other psychiatric drug. And Tony Fauci knew that remdesivir would kill you.
2: He says that to conservative audiences, but then doesn't say that when he's on big national shows. It can go into your car and borrow the the stored electricity in your car. So we need to build a smart grid. We always hear America's racist and evil, but then everybody from the rest of the world wants to move here. There's a larger globalist plan to discredit America because the idea of America is antithetical to the new world order of the globalists. So I started wanting to play on air some of the mass murders and massacres and what goes on in countries outside America and there's just thousands of clips and the crime statistics are insane.
9: This is one of the thousands of unregulated, unmonitored mines in the DRC. It's crawling with children, working like modern day slaves.
2: I'm not out to get the Jews, I'm not out to get my neighbour. But if my neighbor wanted money out of my wallet every month, I'd probably start disliking. him. I'm tired of one-way streets. Yeah, you're going to bless me with a million refugees from Gaza? You can take your Ilhan Omar's Benjamin Netanyahu and shove them up your ass. I have rights. I exist. I'm just as valuable as a Muslim or a Jew. The Muslims, on average, are saying they are allowed to rape and murder Jews and that they're not humans and keep their women as sex slaves. And that Israel wants to ship these people here. So the Ayatollah Khomeini can also crawl up Netanyahu's ass. and We'll have a for Duncan. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is Friday, November 10th. I've been shadow banned. I've been called a liar. I've been silenced on virtually every platform no, created that by clip. man. My life has been threatened.
3: I'm happening with the Mug Club, and make sure you sign up for Mug Club. Make sure you visit defendjones.com. Be the reason that we're still on the air. Do this last lap, this last fight to keep us on the air through the election by either going to defendjones.com, joining the Mug Club, or... Visiting InfoWarsStore.com and getting some of our awesome products, including Ultra 12. We see this conflict escalating in the Middle East with Iran, warning of inevitable expansion of war after the IDF conducts flag raising ceremony in Gaza. So this week we had BB say that he doesn't want to annex Gaza, but we see that they're talking about a long term Solution in Gaza, even the U.S. saying that it would be willing to help enforce peace in the region. We see this all in the context of this IMEC trade corridor that was announced at the U.N. weeks before the attack by Hamas on Israel. And we see this Iranian language, which backs up the fact that Iran gave the weapons to Hamas, which they got from Afghanistan, from us because we wanted the whole thing to happen in order to justify World War III so that we could Force our stabilization of the region upon the people. On Friday, Israeli media produced this headline, hailing that Israeli flags wave proudly along the shores of Gaza. Starting on Thursday, footage began widely circulating online showing IDF troops holding an Israeli flag raising ceremony, laying stake to conquered areas of the Strip, In a short speech during the ceremony on Gaza Beach just prior to leading troops in the national anthem. An IDF soldier said, this is our land and told his forces they are leading the way for Jews to return to our lands. The purpose of this entire conflict is to annex Gaza and get the United States involved in the region to secure this IMEC corridor and ensure that the US dollar remains the global reserve currency until we have a solution. And you can talk about whether it's about land, you can talk about whether it's about innocent civilians dying, but it just doesn't simply be, seem to be the case. It doesn't seem to me likely that the United States actually cares about civilians on either side because it only acts without a conscience in the interests of of its political classes, sustained or expanded power. Let's hear from William in Arkansas. William, what's on your mind?
8: Uh, the lack of understanding of the hypocrisy for this indiscriminate killing. Hmm. Uh, you know, we've got people not willing to admit in this nation that I asked the question, you know. Uh, I, I don't want to be too blunt. I don't want to get too many people looking my way. They're already listening and looking. All right, but let's be, just be blunt. As a, as a soldier, yesterday was Veterans Day. I've got 23 years in. Uh, would it be okay for me to just go indiscriminately kill the janitor that works at Wall Street or a janitor that works for Boeing? We know they're all corrupt. Every day there's war profiteering going on. Which war? Which lawyer that doesn't have anything to do with anything shall I take out because he hasn't stepped up like, Trump or Jones or the man that's sitting in jail for uh, duct tape on his face right now. Uh, Shall I take out the average citizen that's 97 percent of you that have never been in military uniform? Right, because that's the the stats, 3 percent serve. Now, it's service. It's not dictatorial. It's service. Right. It's called civil service, military service. Right. It's a responsibility. It shouldn't be a profession that has a set of rules and regulations of war set up by a military-industrial complex. That if you don't abide by these rules and regulations, you don't get your retirement. You'll go to prison. Ask any, you know, ask a uh, uh, General Flynn or whatever his name is, right? Mm-hmm. He, you know, so you abide by these rules. You're the yes man to the point of will end your career and your life if we so decide, right? And so, where do we? Start or stop the justification on the indiscriminate killing part. That's all killing stuff for profit margins as they're doing today. We don't have the type of military that we should have in the sense that everybody's got a real stake in the game, right? I have certainly learned over the course of time that you don't have to be in military uniform to be a, a real patriot, and you are, uh, and your your program, you in particular, mm-hmm. you're perfect proof of that. So, so I have to eat crow on my own hypocrisy about being such a prick to others that have never been in military uniform. Now, I started out in the infantry and became a medic real quick, right? And I and and I plead for all our our, our soldiers that please don't do anything stupid like suicide. You know, go, I got 22 a day, 22 a day committing suicide. How many people really know this? What sh- what should offense should I take against my public? because of their ignorance about my fellow soldiers, right? What offense should I take against police that don't understand the Obama administration giving $400 million to our enemy? That, that money's going to kill me. It's going to kill me. Do you understand these words you do? I'm just speaking yeah. in general. Do people understand that? Right? I, I give up certain things soldiers do, right, to throw down their life for uh, catch a catch-a-bullet, and I would right now for the idiot that's in the White House. Because I wouldn't want the vacuum power of some, you know, what would happen to him if that happened. I'd still catch a bullet for this jerk. And they do what they do. Now, who's the fool? But I'm looking at the hypocrisy of how do we sit here and say, well, this guy's right and this guy's wrong for the killing part. You know, like you say, most of the people involved in there, uh, uh, over there, are are probably supportive of Moss. I probably would be, too, if I was over there and stuck in them kind of conditions. But all of them are, and the children certainly are Right. And they're, born, they're, they're born into these conditions, and if you're going to try to be a better man and follow things like uh, honor, faith, and hope and integrity of character, we owe it to our own existence and our own uh, manifestation, our own words, our own profession, to at least attempt to be better people every day. And we're not doing it.
3: We're That's not right. doing it. That's right. They, well, thank you so much for your call, William. I do appreciate that. And I think you touched on something really true when you mentioned the $400 million going to Iran. And things of that nature of just paying our enemies. That's what the United States has been doing ever since the establishment of the intelligence community in the way that we see it today. What the United States does is it sees a threat, either overseas or domestically, and it funds that threat and provokes it to do something so it can disproportionately respond and then wipe it out. You can't just respond or attack or wipe out a threat without being provoked, otherwise you're the force, you're the bully, you're the provocateur, it's your fault, you're the culprit of violence. So you have to fund it and then get it to react so that you can shut it down. It's the same thing that we saw with January 6th, right? We saw that the FBI, that the CIA, that these intelligence community entities existed on the ground during the protests on the 6th. They encouraged and inspired and pushed and pressured people to do things like go over barricades, break windows, break through doors. And then when it happened, they denied that anybody was really involved. They didn't actually release the numbers of who was an agent, who wasn't. They they, they didn't ever, ever come after a Ray Epps. And then they said, you guys are insurrectionists that justified the government saying that we're domestic terrorists that we're right-wing extremists. And they use that as an excuse to lock up anybody who could potentially lead any sort of a movement against this state, this political class, this globalist takeover, which they seek to initiate over the next four years. We saw it happen with Hamas most recently and that they were funded by Israel. Of course, Bibi Netanyahu himself admitted years ago that Funding Hamas was part of their strategy. We have the clips. We have the documents. He said it. We see that we left the weapons behind in Afghanistan and they wound up in the hands of these terrorists. So it wasn't our incompetence. It was intentional that we armed them. We wanted this to happen. We wanted to fund this attack so we could justify the total eradication of the people in the region, the annexing of the region, because that's what our intelligence community believes is in the best interest of the United States. Just look at clips two, three, and four. We'll run those all back-to-back in a second. If we look at these clips, we can see that Europe has been invaded, that the United States has been invaded by these refugees, by these extremists, because if they put these sleeper cells in European countries and in our country, and terrorist attacks happen when Hamas calls for jihad, then they can rally the international community into a world war for the sake of the region, on behalf of the region, on behalf of our interests in the region. Go ahead and run two, three, and four back-to-back. In the streets of the United States. We see it in Washington, D.C. We see it in New York City. We see the flag being torn down. We see from the river to the sea being screamed. Hundreds of thousands. And we just have wide open borders. You don't think any of these people are radicalized? You don't think Hamas is among any of them? I certainly do. And it's intentional, it's manufactured. They want these sleeper cells in the region. They want to provoke people to the next world war because they know that a world war is necessary in order to protect. The dollar is the global reserve currency for long enough in order for the globalists, United Nations, NATO, World Economic Forum. Listen to the full show without ads at patreon.com slash mercurygirl or aliyajamesshow.supercast.com.